This past week, we read through the first 41 pages of this, which would have been through, or 44 pages, which would have been through Psalm 41. This much is what we read this past week. And as we read through uh, these Psalms of David, um, I just chose one Psalm to focus on this morning, Psalm 34, that jumped out at me. But I was struck with how uh, God, through his wisdom literature and the poetry, gives us language for us to pray to him, uh, uh, to lament before him. I think I could summarize what, what she said about psalms in that the psalms are either psalms of praise, psalms of thanksgiving, or psalms of lament, crying out to God. And it helps us with language to know how to deal with our emotions that we tend to stuff down here. Is it appropriate to complain before God? Is it appropriate to cry out to God like this? Well, yes, it is, because we have examples of this, and we can make these our prayers. So next week, we'll be reading through book, uh, the rest of Psalms, or not the rest, book two of Psalms and the book of Lamentations. So if you want to join us in this book, it's on page 34, which is ironically Psalm 34 as well. So so this morning I'm going to be focusing not on lament, but on praise and thanksgiving. And next week we'll focus on more lament. So why does God desire for us to praise him? We're going to look at four different reasons that I found in the Psalms through this reading. And there are many more, but four primary reasons why God would have us praise him as his people. First and foremost... God wired us to praise. Not just to praise him, but to praise and celebrate as people. For example, I was watching the Buffalo Bills last night. I'm from western New York, and so along with the Chiefs, Buffalo Bills would be my favorite. And so when the guy intercepted, the defender from the Bills intercepted the ball in the end zone, one yard deep, and ran 101 yards for a record-setting touchdown, it would be inappropriate for me to sit there like a bump on the couch. No, I went ballistic, and I heard noises come out of me that I haven't heard in a long time. I was ecstatic. It was natural for me to celebrate. And if you go to a rock concert or even any uh, symphony concert, at the end, like, like I saw the Eagles a couple weeks ago, I guess, on TV, and I watched the end of their concert, and they, they received three standing ovations. The crowd, they were adoring the band and just, just almost worshiping them, recognizing their talent. Three standing ovations. Or if you go to a political rally, people wave their arms and cheering for their candidate because God has wired us to praise and to celebrate. But God wired us to praise and celebrate him first and foremost, our creator. Romans 1, Paul says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. Rather, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is to be forever praised. Amen. So we do that. We worship loudly for the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs or the Eagles. But when it comes to God, it's like... Not, and I'm just not talking about here. I'm talking about life. You know, we should praise him every day of our lives. 
not only are we wired for worship, but God commanded us uh, to praise him first. He commanded us to do so. Psalm 148, let every created thing give praise to the Lord. For at his command, they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. We're commanded to praise the living God. Another way it's put in Psalm 29 that we read, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. This word ascribe literally means to fall down prostrate on the on the, front, on the ground and worship him to honor the Lord. Or as put another way in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He has done great things. And this word bless means to pronounce God's attributes, his goodness and his greatness so that people will hear our voice give glory to him. And that's what Allie Houghton's going to do right now before us. She's going to bless the Lord before the church of Christ and give testimony to his goodness and greatness. So I decided to be baptized earlier this summer because I no longer wanted to hide my faith. Growing up, I knew about Jesus because I went to Sunday school and church went on mission trips in high school and college. I experienced Christ at work, but wasn't really following him. My senior year of college, I experienced what I would call a church hurt, and it rocked me. It made me want nothing to do with any, anything to do with church, or for that matter, the people in church. It took me a couple years to even want to come back and try church again. That's when I came back to Countryside, tried Bible study, helped out in the children's ministry program. But I got to the point and realized that if I didn't believe what was being taught for myself, I couldn't continue helping. I had people in my life telling me God loved me, died for me, and that I was his creation. Ephesians 2.10 was said to me over and over because Linda knew that I didn't love myself and didn't see myself as God's creation. I saw myself more as a mistake or unloved. I heard her words and others, but didn't truly believe them for myself. I knew the truth, but just thought it was for everyone else. But when I would say this, the question was raised, what makes me different, or why isn't this for me? I believed the lies. I believed I had to be good enough or perfect to be loved, and to be loved by God. But this isn't the truth. He does love me. But it wasn't until about ten months ago, doing a Bible study with Linda, we met that afternoon to discuss our lesson, but God had a different plan for us. The conversation wasn't about the lesson. I just remember listening to Linda's words and crying, just crying. Something had been stirred in me. I was tired of playing the game. That evening, she had me read a story from one of the lessons in the study. I remember calling her and saying, that is completely me, but that wasn't who I wanted to be anymore. I realized I needed to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. She asked me if I was ready to give my life to Christ. I told her I was scared, scared to give the control and to give my life completely over to Christ, but I was ready. You see, what I needed was a personal relationship with him. So that night she prayed with me. 
I remember after praying, I just felt the weight was lifted. I truly felt that I was loved by God, that I am his child and his creation. I now believe Ephesians 2.10, and that's the verse that kept coming to mind when asked what verse I would use. I realize I'm not perfect, but I never have to be, and that I am loved unconditionally. I have a long ways to go, but I never have to doubt anymore if I'm forgiven or if I am his. Thank you, Allie, for blessing the Lord before your brothers and sisters in Christ. And the Lord blessed her, too. Uh, Allie has been, she's a changed person. If you knew her prior to this experience some months ago uh, to now, it's night and day different. Night and day different. And it was amazing that Allie surrendered to the Lord and God got a hold of her and she willingly um, allowed him to have her life. So thank you, Ellie. In the face of a sweeping epidemic, it was uh, the bubonic plague in the the 600 AD. Pope Gregory, um, he decreed an ordinance in the land. He He commanded the people to say these three words after someone sneezed. And the words were, God bless you. Isn't it interesting that we've been practicing this command, this decree, this edict, hundreds of years later, we unknowingly practice this. And when someone uh, sneezes, we are in obedience to Pope Gregory's decree, God bless you. And what's more amazing is how often we ignore God's commands to praise him and bless his name when we know these commands. David did not ignore God's command. 34, Psalm 34, 1. I will praise the Lord, he says, at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. We are commanded to praise the Lord. Unlike in David's life, though, why is the praise of God so so, um, absent so random in our lives. Why don't we wake up every morning filled with praise for God? Rather, we wake up complaining or we wake up voicing our anxiety. Why don't we lift our praises to the one who gives us breath, to the one who allows us to have the strength to roll out of bed, to the one who provides us with food every day and shelter, much less eternal life? I would think that a lot of people do not praise God because they don't have a relationship with God. If I don't enjoy the Las Vegas Raiders, for example, if they're playing the Bengals or whoever from Cincinnati, then I really will might change the channel if I'm not interested in the Las Vegas Raiders or I might fall asleep on the couch during the game because I don't have a relationship with that team. Now, being from western New York, I have a relationship with the Buffalo Bills. Being from Kansas, I have a relationship with Kansas City Chiefs emotionally. And so I will not miss those games, and they're exciting for me, and I will celebrate with them. Another reason we don't praise is because of lack of understanding. We say within our minds, why in the world would we need to praise God? Doesn't he have everything already? Why would he need praise from little old me 
Or a third reason we don't praise is because we've never developed the habit for praising God. For example, a little child after Christmas has to be taught to say thank you to grandma and grandpa. Rarely will a little child, like say in first or second grade, say, Mom, I think I'll sit down at the kitchen table and write a thank you note to grandma and grandpa for all the presents they gave me. No, they won't do that unless mom or dad will make the kid to do that. Rarely will they do that. But as we mature and get older, then we form this habit. If we grow up and we never express thank you or appreciation for someone who does something kind to us, then we'll be entitled and we'll be um, selfish and we'll be spoiled as adults. So we need to learn how, how to develop the habit of expressing our praise and appreciation to God. In the same way, um, our praise language can be underdeveloped because we've never developed the habit. That's why the Psalms is so important to read on a regular basis because when we pray this, it becomes a part of our language. When we literally open up a Psalm and just say, okay, Lord, you are the God of my salvation. I cry out to you today. Lord, hear my prayer. And then we just personalize a Psalm. We learn how to do so. It takes 30 to 40 days to form a new habit in our lives so that we're obedient to this command. David said, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak out his praises. So God wired us to praise him. He commanded us to praise him. And thirdly, God deserves our praise. He deserves it. When someone blesses me with an act of kindness, then they deserve a thank you right? It would be inappropriate for me to not thank them or write a thank you note. Or if we watch our child perform a recital, violin or piano or, or play a game in a sport or something, and we're cheering them on, it would be inappropriate for after the game or after the recital to not say anything, not say, hey, well done, good job, you did awesome, I'm so proud of you, or to clap for them. It'd be inappropriate, and it, it would be downright hurtful to the child. They deserve our praise. Well, how much more so the living God? Psalm 103, David wrote, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Or in the New Living Translation, I will never forget the good things he has done for me. Even David had to give himself a pep talk. He had to talk to his soul. And he had to remind his soul to praise the Lord. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is when we bless him, soul, do it. Because we're prone to forget and go on our merry way. But God deserves our praise. We have to remind our soul to do so. <clears throat> okay, so we've de determined that God commands our praise, that he wired us to praise him, and that he deserves our praise. But... Why did God create us in the first place to desire our praise? Does he need it? Is he an egomaniac? Is he a dictator telling us, you bow to me right now, buddy, you better start singing my praises. You better start giving me all sorts of accolades or I'm going to get really ticked at you. Does God need our praise? Frederick Nietzsche of uh, the late 1800s, he was one of the first existentialists 
who said, I cannot believe in a God who wants to be praised all the time. This issue of praise really led Nietzsche, who was a son of a Lutheran pastor, he led him down a dark road, and he would come up with the phrase, God is dead, and we've heard that even today. That was Nietzsche, and he's had tremendous influence toward atheism because of this issue. Why does God need our praise? Is he a dictator? Well, the answer is God certainly does not need our praises. He is all-sufficient within himself. God doesn't need our praises any more than parents need their preschool children to color them a Christmas present or make, make them a little art project so that we can display it or hang it on our refrigerator. We parents don't need that to sustain our lives or to make us happy, but we certainly love receiving it from even our kids and our grandkids, don't we? It pleases our heart. It warms our heart. And in the same way, God is pleased when we praise him. I remember making a doily when I was in kindergarten for my mother. You know, one of those, I don't know, doily. It was paper doily. And I remember painting it with watercolor uh, paints. And I was so excited that in the classroom, the teacher had us wrap the presents and put them in a box and then put them under the tree. Well, I was so excited, I went home and I hid my present in the cupboard so my mom wouldn't find it. And, and I wanted to really surprise her. And she opened it that Christmas morning and she pulled it out and everyone was sitting, sitting around and it was this doily, but I had wrapped it when it was still wet with paint and I had clumped it up like this so it looked like a ball of paper. And they all said, oh, Johnny, this is so nice. What is it? And I was so proud, but my mother loved receiving this wadded-up, hardened doily from me that I had made. She loved it, and, and she laughs about it to this day. God enjoys our praise as, as well. Um, because he knows, fourthly, and this is the fourth point, that it will ultimately ricochet back on our lives and make us into who we are when we praise God, in turn, we will be blessed, and God will bless us. Luke 6, Paul said it this way, or Jesus said, give, and give praises and it will be given back to you. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. In what ways will it benefit us then? Well, God, it will benefit us by establishing connection with God, intimacy with God. When we praise him, Psalm 100 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, enter the very presence of God through your praise and worship of him. James 4, 8, James said, come near to God and then he will come near to you. God waits for us. He does not force himself or his presence into our lives. He waits for our hearts to praise him, and then he reveals himself to us. Or as Keith Green used to sing, a Christian contemporary musician, he used to sing uh, from God's perspective, when I hear the praises start, God says, then I want to rain upon you blessings that will fill your heart. Oh, I see no stain upon you because I love you. A wonderful praise song by Keith Green reminds us that God wants to reign his presence upon us. David was known as a man after God's heart, which he began as a boy, shepherd boy, who praised Jesus, or praised God in the wilderness. So our praise of God prepares us 
to live into our purpose. That would be another reason, our purpose. Our purpose is to reflect God, to represent him, to, to show the world what Jesus is like. That is our purpose in life. Verse 2 of Psalm 34, David wrote, I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. That's what Allie did for us today. We heard Allie blessing the name of the Lord and the difference that he made in his life. And as a result, we rejoice. We're given encouragement. The crown was placed on Miss Columbia's head, Adriadna Guterres. The 2015 Miss Universe contest, Miss Columbia, uh, the, the cheers of adulation erupted in the auditorium as all her people in Columbia were watching. They were celebrating because their girl was Miss Universe. And they celebrated for three minutes. That is until Steve Harvey returned to the stage and awkwardly had to apologize for mistakenly announcing the wrong winner. It was actually the woman from Philippines that won. So in a brief interview after that awkward exchange and before her exit, Ms. Gutierrez thanked her supporters and she said, everything happens for a reason, so I'm happy. I'm happy for all of what I did for becoming this. I'm so happy. Thank you for all. Thank you for voting for me. Miss Columbia did not win the Miss Universe contest but she won the hearts of all who saw her on TV and in the auditorium because of the grace that she displayed in the face of disappointment. Now, I don't know anything about her faith, if, she, if she's spiritual, if she has a relationship with God or not, but I do know that her response is the response that we're, as followers of Christ, we are, um, we are mandated to um, convey as Apostle Paul said in Philippians 2, do everything without grumbling or arguing, or I would add complaining, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. God shines forth forth through his children when our words of grumbling and complaining and arguing are absent and rather people hear words of praise and blessing coming forth in our language because the tongue reveals what's in the heart um, taste and see that the Lord is good verse 8 Psalm 34 taste and see that the Lord is good in West Africa, there was a cranberry fruit. It is called the sweet berry or the miracle fruit. The meat of the fruit contains a molecule called the miraculin, and it binds to a person's tongue when they eat this fruit. And after they eat this fruit, the taste buds actually change for a while. You can eat anything, sour or nasty tasting, and it will taste sweet. And I'm thinking, why don't we sell this in America? for when we have to eat broccoli. <laughs> because we all know broccoli is good for us, right? Well, a tongue filled with praise and thanksgiving has the same effect as this miracle fruit. 
It sweetens a person's entire life, even in the midst of sour and uh, difficult things like disease and pain and political unrest. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. So in this world of strife and opposition and hate and mistrust and criticism and political mess in this world, when there's a tongue that's filled with praise and thanksgiving and blessing, even blessing those who persecute us, then people, it will stick out like a sore thumb, or shall I say, a sweet tongue. And so th this is what God has called us to throughout Scripture. There's more about the tongue than about just about any other issue. Well, no, that's untrue. There's a lot about the tongue, though, than a, a lot about the tongue than other issues that we deem as great importance. And then our praise of God gives us perspective. Perspective. We need to readjust our attitudes. Trials in life can confine us in a, into a prison of fear and anxiety. We're, you know, we freak out about everything because of trials. But in verse 4, David says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. There's this elderly woman from my last church in Indiana, a, a, a mother of a friend of mine who developed onset, onset of Alzheimer's. And the mother hopped in her car one day and she started driving and she never came back. For two days, three days, four days, the, my friend's mother went missing and she made it on the local news and they were looking for her everywhere and nobody could find this elderly woman. It turns out that she drove and drove and she drove into a, a different state. She had no idea where she was. She went, made it some weird turn, went into a wooded area went into the woods and, and she crashed between two trees which pinned her inside of her car. She had no food, she had no water, she couldn't open the car, she had no gas and so there she sat until five days later she was discovered by someone walking through the woods and her life was barely saved. It was an answer to prayer. Had there been a GPS system or Google Maps or had she had a cell phone in those days we would have easily been able to find her but she had none of those. They weren't invented yet. Had she been there today, though, what we could do is simply get on Google Maps or contact her phone, and we could figure out, pinpoint right where she is. But when we're looking at it with a zoom in, the only thing we would see is woods, trees, a stream nearby. That's all we'd see. We wouldn't know if it's down the street. We wouldn't know if it's across town. We wouldn't know if it's in the next county or a different state. We wouldn't know because we can't tell by the trees. But if we zoom out like this, then we'd be able to see the streets and the highway and the city and the state, and we'd be able to pinpoint exactly where she is. When we praise the Lord, our perspective has changed. Instead of being zoomed into our anxiety and our fear and the issue that we're dealing with that's causing us uh, to miss sleep, we have to zoom out. We start praising the Lord, and we begin to see a perspective. Oh, Lord, yes, you are in control. Oh, yes, Lord, you are the living God. You know my every day. You know my every thought. You know my future. Lord, you have given me promise after promise that I need not fear. We zoom out when we're praising him and our perspective has changed. The Lord renews our perspective 
He is the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings when we begin praising him. And then the final reason why God wants us to praise him, I'm not, I'm, the final benefit, I should say, of praising him would be joy. God completes our joy when we praise him. In verse 5, David wrote, Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. C.S. Lewis put it this way, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. The delight is incomplete until it's expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is to come suddenly at the turn of a road upon a mountain valley or an unexpected grandeur or sunset or something and then have to keep it silent because the people with you care for no more than, than a tin can in a ditch. You know, I remember the kids in the back seat on trips and Lynn would say, kids, get your face out of the video game and look out the window. Look at the deer over here. Look at those birds. Look at the sunset. Um, and so he goes on to say, to hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. The Scottish Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. A joy is incomplete unless it's expressed. When we don't praise the Lord, then we'll be joyless, sour-faced Christians. Rather, if we complain and argue and grumble about things, we'll even be worse. But when we begin praising God, then he completes our joy. So why do we praise God? He wired us to praise him. In the last slide, he commands us to praise him. He doesn't need it, but he deserves our praise. And in praising God, it actually ricochets back to us, and he blesses us, and he delights to bless his children in those four ways, through intimacy, purpose, perspective, and joy. So let's work on this habit as we read through the book of Psalms. Let's, let's refine this habit of learning how to praise God more and more because he wants to bless us beyond our measure. Let's pray. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for these people. I'm preaching to the choir here this morning because they are here to praise you. They're here to seek you. People listening online, they are online intentionally because they want to know you and love you and serve you. Lord, help us to become, uh, reflect your presence more and more in our lives so that a world in darkness and hopelessness will see the difference that you make in our lives as we've seen that difference in Allie Houghton's life. And Lord, may we be more obedient and intentional, intentional in our praise life, Lord. We confess our lack of praise, and we ask you to remind us to do so each and every morning before we roll out of bed to begin with praising our living God. In Christ's name, amen.